Hello, and thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about, I think, some of the 360 footage that I've been shooting at uh, the waterfalls, some of the stuff up in the Mackenzie Wilderness area, and uh, some of it over in, like, the Three Sisters Wilderness area. So, um, And then there's also, gosh, a bunch of stuff. We did a bunch of stuff on the coast. We did a bunch of stuff on hikes, on bike rides. Uh, we had a, a friend with a motorcycle uh, driving up a trail. That was really cool. Um, we shot over to Smith Rock, up to a couple spots over in um, the high desert area, eastern Oregon. Um, today, though, just for a minute, we're talking about some of the stuff that we did over at Proxy Falls. Proxy Falls is a really nice spot in Oregon. Definitely a, a hiking destination that uh, should be at the top of a lot of people's lists, especially for people that live, I guess, in the Willamette Valley area where you can get up on uh, Highway 126 and head out toward. Or if you're in the Bend area and uh, you want to come up that other way. But um, I think you go up a, a ways up to 126, which is the main highway now, and then you take you take a little road that cuts off and that's the old road, I guess, that used to be the old path that went over all, you know, the, the mountain range there over the Cascades and then up on over to the, uh, the part of Eastern Oregon, I guess, where you continued on. But, um, but as you come up over the pass there, there's uh, a couple cool lookouts up toward the top, but uh, a little lower down as you're kind of, you're kind of starting your way up, there's a pullout for proxy falls and, and it's a really interesting waterfall. Uh, I think it's one of the taller waterfalls in Oregon. I think that Watson Falls might be the tallest waterfall which we also went to just a couple of days ago. And I'll talk about that in the next couple of days on this, uh, this flash briefing too. But uh, Proxy Falls was beautiful. It was uh, a really tall waterfall, the way that it kind of cascades down and uh, sort of blows up mist and creates kind of this uh, really mossy, um, I guess, kind of rainforest temperament. Uh, or what would it be like? A, like a rainforest biome? So that sort of environment right around the... Uh, the place where the the waterfall kind of crashes down all at one spot but we took this 360 camera in there and recorded a bunch of footage and it really has come out really interesting i love that sort of stuff so it was really fun getting over there you can see more of my work at billynewmanphoto.com you can check out some of my photo books on amazon I think you can look up uh, billy newman under the authors section there and see uh, some of the photo books on film on the desert on surrealism on camping some cool stuff over there the 360 degree photo work over the last couple of weeks which has been really cool and i've uh, enjoyed it a lot i really like doing the 360 stuff i think uh, back in june of 2018 we had done a bunch of podcasts about some of the 360 uh, photography stuff that we were trying to do, some of the video stuff that we were doing with the GoPro Fusion at the time. And that was all really uh, cool, and I liked that video a lot. This time I was working with a Ricoh Theta Z1, and I was going around to a few locations to try and get some photographs. Uh, specifically, I think photographs a lot in this circumstance. Not so many videos, uh, but uh, but yeah, really interested in the in the 360 photography stuff that I was able to to edit together and to, to capture during that time. So that was cool. But I went out to an area in uh, in Central Oregon that was pretty cool and went up on like a hillside to uh, do some 360 work. And it's cool out there because you can really see the topography of how the Great Basin was formed at the, well, I guess like during the whole era of the Pleistocene as it was for a long standing period of time. Uh, like a, a a lake. It was just a big lake out there. And then as things started changing at the end of the Pleistocene, I think there was huge changes that, that ended the Great Basin stuff, that ended a lot of the megafauna that was in the area. 
and that kind of changed the topography of the landscape over the last 10,000 years to be something that's much more of the high desert, sagebrush, juniper tree, exposed rock uh, landscape that we see today and a lot less of the uh, forested, uh, temperate kind of mountain climate that we have through the Cascades and through part of Oregon. I'm sure it was always more dry given the rain shadow of the Cascade Mountains there. But I think that for a long period of time, as according to signs posted on my drives uh, in areas where I go hiking sometimes, but, uh, you know, like when you go up to some place and it says, you know, this area so such and such time ago had these animals in it. Well, you see like giant beavers or you see like camels or, all, or giant sloths, I guess they had in the area too. There's all sorts of stuff that they had. Uh, that ended up being wiped out, I don't know, 100,000 years ago, 60,000 years ago to, what, 10, 20, 10,000 years ago, something like that. There's a lot of changes that happened over the period of the Pleistocene, I guess during what they call the Quaternary Period, a, a period of uh, glaciations that the Earth has been involved in for the last 100,000 or 200, maybe a million years. I'm not sure. It's, it's the last couple hundred thousand years we've been going in these cycles of glaciations or you know we're in an ice age period so we go into an ice age like we have ice on the earth right now it'll be more ice at a point and then less ice at a point more ice at a point less ice at a point i guess that's been going on for what they say somewhere around like two hundred thousand years of these thirty thousand year periods of glaciation to non-glaciation uh where like i think we're coming we're like on the far end of the glacial maximum now so we had the with the glacial maximum about like what eleven thousand, twelve thousand years ago, or is that right? No, it must have been like fifteen, twenty thousand years ago that we were at the maximum. Then it started receding, I suppose. That's when we were able to no. That doesn't make sense. We had like the land bridge, like the Beringia stuff, where people got over. That was probably fifteen to twenty thousand. Sea levels were lower. They sailed away at like 400 feet. They skirted along the coastlines. They came over through the land. So that was all pretty long ago. Well, anyway, at some point, like, like I was there, like I'm going to figure out, wait, let me remember. <laughs> let me think back to 15,000 years ago. Where was I? Yeah, I wasn't here. Uh, so I don't know what happened. But apparently there's been some recorded evidence that I was learning about. Um, in I think it's like Monteverde down in Chile. And that's a location where uh, I think they had carbon dated something to 15,000 years old, like human remains, human element remains. There's, uh, there's like a, a few locations here in Oregon where they, they, I guess, have evidence of the Clovis people that's sort of around like the 11, 12, 13,000 year mark. And then there's other evidence of things that are, I don't know, within like the, it's tough. It's like anything from like 7,500 years to 15,000 years ago seems to all kind of be in flux of a date because there's really not many not many perfect ways to date that. And if it's a cultural artifact, like a an arrowhead or a pot shard or a scraper, there's, there's some indication of how those things are going to be created or how those artifacts are going to be created and how those are going to remain like fulsome points or Clovis points are pretty distinct from each other, but they're not really culturally distinct from each other. So it could be like a variation of many different tribes and languages and peoples, uh, all well unrelated to each other, but related with a similar vein of technology for a few thousand years of, you know, their, their tool use shape was kind of similar because they're all kind of 
from a similar descendancy. But I think when you get like a more than a hundred miles away, your your languages separate over you know, like a couple generations. You're just going to speak different languages. Um, but man, wild stuff. Anyway, so I don't remember where we even started with this, but I was out in Eastern Oregon exploring the Great Basin. I went up on a hillside in public land and I was doing some 360 photography work with the Rico Zeta. Oh wait, Rico Theta Z1. That's what it is. And yeah, I was capturing some stuff on a hillside, really beautiful areas up there where those ridges kind of drop in and out. And so it's cool when you get like up to a higher elevation, you can kind of see the pockets of where these lakes and pools of water and uh, kind of sat and rested for what seems like i think i was saying something about recording some 360 photographs up on some public land in the high desert in the the lake county great basin area of eastern oregon beautiful spot over there i really enjoy it and uh, yeah it was awesome to to use the rico theta z1 to be capturing some images uh, up in that area it's cool when you're at a higher elevation and with the 360 camera uh, you can kind of uh, you can kind of I don't know it, it provides a, a little bit of a, a different perspective it seems silly to say like wider but uh, when you re when you kind of replay those images and you're able to sort of look around in context of what's to the left and to the right of you you're kind of able to put together the the context of the landscape a little better and a little faster than you could if you just had a series of individual photographs that had segments of the wider landscape captured in it. So it was cool at that higher elevation. Uh, you could you could kind of look down to areas that we had been hiking around earlier in the day through uh, some of the ridges and troughs that would be uh, over in that area. And you can look down, you know, it's like uh, 500 feet down in elevation to what we thought was kind of the mountaintop pass. And then past that is another maybe thousand foot or a couple hundred foot uh, drop in elevation as it goes down toward the lake basin area. So all that was pretty cool. And, and what was also cool about it is just sort of visualizing how populated that area had been in the past. I think, uh, you know, prior to... Uh, the western expansion of the United States and uh, as thousands of years had passed by and uh, this region of land in the northwest it had been populated and that region specifically had been populated by uh, nomadic tribes that had been able to travel and subsist off of uh, the wild game that was there I think a lot of like antelope and deer and it looks like bighorn sheep uh, by some of their uh, well I don't know some kind of sheep but uh it looks like that from uh, from some of their their pictographs and petroglyph information that they left there. And the dynamics of some of those populations of animals have changed in the time uh, now, given like modern day. I don't know. If, I don't know if we're going to see a lot of sheep out there in Lake County, but there's one drawn on a rock out there, so they must have been trying to look for it. There's a lot of them in the southwest as you move into the I think the Modoc tribes. From that's more of a three thousand to twenty five, two thousand. I don't know. It's probably about three thousand to. 600 years ago sort of a thing but or a hundred years ago really i think that was like captain jack over there captain jack strong hold for the modoc indian reservation area uh, that was like in the indian wars of the 1850s so they lasted till then but uh, um yeah there's some information about uh some of the uh paiute the paiute indians i think the northern paiute that were in that area of uh southern southeastern Oregon, Nevada, 
then into Utah, Arizona, and New Mexico, if I kind of understood right. But I know there's some fluctuations in there um, and, and differences in timing and stuff. But, but yeah, it's all uh, pretty cool stuff. It was really uh, it was awesome to get out there. It was, get, it was cool to get out and kind of walk around in some areas of uh, some public land where we still have some access and still get out to um, try and do some photography stuff even in this uh, period where you're supposed to stay home and there's a lockdown. It was uh, it was cool to kind of get out and try and do some exploring and some social distance conscious. Um, I mean, hey, that's fine with me. I don't I don't really have to be around a lot of people. It's better to do landscape wildlife photography work while you're uh, sort of in some type of isolation. I'm sure like a lot of hunters are kind of considering something like that too. You know, hunters, fishermen, people are like hiking or, uh, you know, a lot of those solo activities. It's cool that, uh, you know, this kind of, this time uh, sort of has provided a little bit of a reset for probably a lot of people out there to uh, have a bit more time to invest in some of the things that they'd want to. I suppose a lot of folks are probably stuck more in their local area, but um, but it's a great time to uh, to get to invest in some things that seem more important to you. So that's what I've been trying to do. Hope you guys are doing well. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. You can check out more at BillyNewmanPhoto.com. I've been doing a ton of updates over there. Is there a plane taking off? Sounds like there's a prop plane that's about to fly over my head. It's like that scene in North by Northwest where Cary Grant starts getting run down by that biplane. That'd be scary. So that's not in my future. You can check out more information at BillyNewmanPhoto.com. You can go to BillyNewmanPhoto.com forward slash support if you want to help me out and participate in the value for value model that uh, we're running this podcast with. If uh, you receive some value out of some of the stuff that I was talking about, you're welcome to uh, help me out and send some value my way through the portal at billynewmanphoto.com forward slash support. You can also find more information there about uh, Patreon and the way that I use it. If you're interested or or feel more comfortable using Patreon, that's patreon.com forward slash billynewmanphoto. I bought a domain name at nightskypodcast.com. And so I'm trying to build a pretty simple WordPress site that can uh, host a lot of the information about that podcast, not about that project as a whole. So it'll be pretty basic and it's, it's not supposed to be something that's, um, it's hugely complicated by any means, but I'm interested in, you know, just trying to, trying to make some different graphics and, and make uh, some explanation of the, the podcast and sort of how it works just to kind of differentiate it a little bit. And so it's um, just like a, a side project and a hobby. I'm trying to put it together, but uh, I've been trying to find out some ways to do that in an easier way. So I've already built um, about three or four pretty usable WordPress websites. And what I was hoping to do is trying to try to take a lot of that that work that I had already done and then migrate that over to this new Night Sky podcast website that I'm trying to put together. Um, along with another site that I'm trying to put together, I'll get to get, I'll, I'll probably talk about that in the next podcast. But um, for this Night Sky podcast website, uh, what I was hoping to do was take like a lot of the the way that I've customized the theme that I'm using and a lot of like the page layout stuff that I've already put together for let's say my Billy Newman photo website, and I want to try and find a way to migrate that over to this Night Sky site, and then strip out the parts that uh, won't be the same. You know, I'll replace the graphics, replace a lot of the the layout stuff in a way that would be unique and bespoke to the way that I want this Night Sky 
podcast website to go, but it's a little better than, or it's, it's a lot less work. It's saving me a ton of time so that I don't have to go back through and make customizations to each of the of the fields associated with the site in a way that would be uh, like brand new to it. So, um, so I'm trying to learn about that a little bit. What I've been uh, trying to do is find out, I guess, different ways to do that. And so one thing that I ran into while I was trying to do a bunch of this troubleshooting on my site um, over the last couple of weeks was um, that I'm really in need of making backups of my WordPress sites. And so what I, what I went through and did is I, uh, I made, and I'm sure there's, there's ways within WordPress to do this, but I was using a plugin um, that's, and you should let me know if, if anybody's listening out there and they've had experience uh, doing backups of their WordPress site, uh, you should let me know what was the most effective. There's, um, there's like the cPanel backup that I've made uh, from the server side where I backed up the files that were associated with the website. And so hopefully that could be restored in a way that would be useful. But there's also some complications that I think I've run into with that. And it wasn't really as user-friendly as I wanted it to be. And the restore points... I, I don't know. I, it didn't really feel like it worked for me as well as I had hoped it would. Um, but it, but it did, it did uh, come in use. It, it was very useful for me to do that uh, when I did run into problems and I wasn't able to access the site. Um, so I'm glad I had those backups uh, of the cPanel. But if I do still have access to the 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 WordPress dashboard of my website, what I'm hoping to do is use um, this plugin system that I found. Uh, and I'm sure like a million other people, according to what it said, uh, have found it also. But I'm using this plugin called Updraft Plus um, to try and make to try and make backups of my WordPress pages. So I went through and I made backups of each of the the WordPress websites that I've created so far. And first, that was the BillyNewmanPhoto.com website. Uh, and then in addition to that, there was uh, goldenhourwedding.com. So I made backups of the both of those. And then there's another two websites that I'm still kind of working on, uh, and I want to I try and make those new. But I did make backups of those also, and I, I was able to save those on my server, but I was also able to download those to my local drive and put those on, on an external hard drive. And the great thing is, is that uh, I can version those backups. So when I make adjustments or when I make updates to my site, and I want to make another backup of it, it'll make a. I can make a backup, and then I can download that, and that'll be like the, the up. You know, oh, this was in January 2019, but with all these extra co- pieces of content and with all these extra additions to the site, this will be the backup I make in February 2019, something like that. Um, what I'm trying to figure out, though, is, uh, and I think what I've discovered is that um, what I want to do is take a backup of my WordPress site, let's say in this case, the BillyNewmanPhoto.com backup, and I want to use that to, to clone and then migrate that over to the NightSkyPodcast.com website. And so I think I found a way to do that even within Updraft Plus. Now, the Updraft Plus plugin offers a premium service where you can purchase the ability to do... Uh, a database migration for I think thirty dollars. It's not thirty dollars per site, but I think it's thirty dollars for the plugin, and then you get uh, support from that plugin developer for some period of time. I think it's like six months on the low end, and then and then if you need support for a longer amount of time, I think it's more money than that. Um, there's probably some caveats to it, but that is a, an option that I'm trying to explore right now. Is if I'd want to go through that process of using the Updraft Plus plug-in to do a migration of my site where I can bring in a lot of the, the theme customizations, the theme itself, the, and uh, the, I guess the, the database with the updated database uh, over to the Night Sky podcast website. And it could be an easy sort of one-click solution for it, but I'm also trying to look around and see if there's other ways for me to do an import 
or a clone of the website uh, and the website data so that I can bring in a lot of the information but maybe leave out a lot of pieces that I won't need because I'm not really trying to make an, an exact duplicate or an exact copy. I'm just trying to bring over uh, certain elements that would, that would be that have already been adjusted in a way that I don't really want to have to do the work over for. So if I could just kind of bring in this draft of a website version that's almost everything complete in the way that I want and then delete the content that was on the blog, delete the, the pieces that were you know over in this section of the site, rewrite an about page and a couple paragraphs over here, recreate some graphics, then, um, then I would have I, what would seem like a familiar site that would be uh, on brand. But it would also be a you know a new site that would have a lot of new content on it, and it would just uh, kind of remain the way that I wanted it to. So that's sort of the hope that I'm trying to go for. And I guess that the the Updraft Plus plugin um, creates like XML files for you to use, and um, I don't know how it really works. But I think if you break open the file uh, that you've downloaded, you can go through, and then and then there's an alt an alternate way of making an upload for that sort of stuff. But I guess the problem is, is like the database. So if uh, you're migrating a site, it's really expecting all those domain names to be what they had been in the past and not migrated or not a, a set of new links that have this new domain name. So everything's going to link back to another site that it's not, it's not at. So the database of it's just not going to make sense. And I think that's what this migration tool is supposed to help you do. So I'm looking into that, and I'm hopeful that, uh, that I can kind of put that together pretty quickly. I'm, I'm also trying to be conscious of my time a little bit, too, so that uh, uh, I don't spend, like, a huge amount of time in development trying to figure out, you know, how to, how to go through and fix a bunch of errors that might be created if I try and uh, do a restore of a, a backup or a clone of my other site and try and migrate that over to this new domain. Um, I'm trying to figure out a way where I don't have to really worry about that all, all that much, but I'm still going to do some more research. It's going to be an ongoing, pro um, an ongoing project, and I will update you in this podcast on my progress. That's what I figure. So I'm going to do that with uh, another site, too. I, I think I might have mentioned it yesterday that we're starting the Golden Hour Experience podcast. And we've also started the goldenhourexperience.com website. And so I'm going to try and go through the same process over on that site so that I can import a bunch of the settings that I have from goldenhourwedding.com and uh, try and put it together in a way so that uh, I get to save a bunch of time and not have to redevelop a WordPress site um, from scratch again. So that's the hope of it. And it could work. It seems like if I, if I pay just a little bit of money, I can make it work, uh, which might make it worth it, I figure. The other news that uh, I was going to get to was uh, some stuff about ebooks. I'm sure you're excited now. Thanks for listening to all this. Thanks a lot for checking out this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. I hope you guys check out some stuff on BillyNewmanPhoto.com. A few new things up there. Some stuff on the homepage. Some good links to other other outbound sources. Some some links to books. Some links to some podcasts. Links to some blog posts. All pretty cool. But yeah, check it out at BillyNewmanAphoto.com. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode of the podcast. Talk to you next time.